Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. We've been looking at this idea of an antidote for a sick nation for the last several weeks, and we looked in week one how we need to recognize we have a problem and not be in denial about that. We talked about denial in week number two. Uh, about how it's easy to look at the obvious but deny that it exists. And then last week we talked about the diagnosis that uh, we need to hear, don't want to hear, but need to hear. We looked at that from Isaiah chapter 1, and we're in Isaiah chapter 1 today again for what Paul Harvey would say is the rest of the story. Uh, we're going to com- complete this idea of not only our our diagnosis last week, but our prescription this week and what God has to say to us to be prescribed for us. I don't know if you ever looked at the information that comes with your prescriptions. Uh, we get ours through mail order. And there's probably two or three pages of information that I get with one prescription about, you know, take it this way. Have you ever noticed the side effects of some of the prescription medicine? I wonder if, the side, I wonder if it's worth taking sometimes with the, with the possibility of the side effects. Um, there are side effects to this prescription this morning, but they're good ones. And I want us to see those today as we look through this, this passage together. Turn to Isaiah chapter 1. Look with me, if you will, at verses 16 through 18. Isaiah 1, 16 to 18. Wash, wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Four things I want us to see today from this text. The first is this. The prescription is to clean ourselves up. Look at verse 16 again. Wash and make yourselves clean. Now, we see in the previous verse that, that we have blood on us, if you look at verse 15. But it's not the blood of folks, it's the blood of sacrifices. Sacrifices that God has deemed inadequate and unworthy. Uh, sacrifices that he, he almost, if you look at that passage, kind of holds at disdain. Uh, in essence, he's saying here that we can't buy his favor with a sacrifice. We can't buy his, his, his blessing with a sacrifice no matter how deep or how shallow our sin is or how valuable or invaluable the sacrifice is. He's saying here, I can't be bought. Don't seek to buy me, to buy my favor with your sacri- whatever sacrifice you have to bring to the table. Because of the sin we saw last week, we stand guilty before him. So here we are. How do we get clean? Well, look, listen, to me, listen with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 to 27. It says this, Husbands, Love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for for her to make her holy, cleansing her, watch this, by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. So it's the word here as we see in Ephesians 5 that washes us, that cleanses us and makes us clean, cleanses us from our guilt of our sin 
and our attempt to buy or our attempt to bargain our way back into favor with him or, or uh, in and out of the guilt. Now, Susie and Debbie have been coming over here on Thursdays to clean and sanitize this building so that you got a sanitary place to worship here today. And in doing so, they've been using, going through a lot of Clorox wipes. A lot of bleach has been going into this building the last several, several weeks. And I appreciate them for that. Tell them thanks as you see them today for coming over and doing that for us every week. But there's a lot of bleach it takes to kill germs. He's saying here, the word is the bleach. My word is the bleach that kills the germs of sin in you, that cleanses you and makes you clean again, that, that takes that guilt away, takes the, the effect of that sin away. It's the bleach. The word's the bleach that kills the germs. Now, not just of our attempts to wiggle our way out of the guilt, but it also it should cleanse us of the stinking thinking that got us in that place in the first place. And it is oftentimes our thinking that, that gets us into a place of guilt, and I've told you dozens of times from this place, this platform, God doesn't do guilt. It's the enemy who, who makes us feel and know our guilt. So, now, he does judgment, yes, but, but guilt, whatever guilt we carry, we carry because the enemy is, is wanting to defeat our walk and defeat our witness and, and our effectiveness and our influence with him. But anyway, it's the word that cleanses us, us of those things. Now, listen to Matthew 23, if you will, verses 25 and 26. Woe to you, teachers of the law, that's me, you Pharisees, you hypocrites, you, you clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside... They're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will also be clean. He's saying here the cleanliness and becoming clean from the word is an inside-out process, not outside-in. It's, it's, it's where we first clean our hearts up, the, the, the seat of our emotions, our souls. And secondly, our, after our hearts are clean, we clean our minds up, we clean our thinking up. Again, I, I go back to... This idea of, of removing the stinking thinking that got us into sin and got us into the guilt that follows it in the first place. So we clean our hearts up, we clean our minds up. Then outwardly, our behavior follows those two things. It's an inside-out process. The inside is cleaned up first, and our behavior, what is seen, our, 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 our speech, what is heard, is cleaned up after that. So it's an inside-out process. If we try and do it in reverse, it's never, it's never going to work. It's an inside-out process that the Word cleanses us from the sin that we live in and the guilt that comes from it. So the prescription here initially is to clean ourselves up. Secondly, he says this, the prescription is to do the right thing. Look at the last part of verse 16, the first part of verse 17. He says, stop doing wrong, learn to do right. This couldn't be clearer or simpler, right? Stop doing wrong, learn to do right. But if we look a little more closely, you'll see that doing wrong is obvious. Doing right isn't. He says, stop doing wrong. In essence, you should see the wrong, but learn to do right. Doing right is learned behavior. I've got to dig for it. I've got to search for it sometimes. Listen to Hosea chapter 14, verse 9 says this. Who is wise? He will realize these things. Who is discerning? He will understand them. The ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. The ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. He's saying here that wisdom is involved here, discernment is involved here, and those are things that come from God. It takes wisdom to see our, the right way. It takes discernment to see the right way. And we're not naturally born with those things. Those are gifts 
Those are imparted to us from God. They're not things we acquire or purchase with sacrifice or with, 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 a, with better service or with more money. Or they, they aren't acquired. They are blessed and given to us by God who is the source of all wisdom and the source of all discernment. So he's saying here that they both come from the Lord and as we give voice to the word, as we put actions to our beliefs and give voice to the word, uh, the Lord not only will bless that, we not only look like mere believers, start to look like followers. Start to look like the one we say we belong to. Where we're not just believing the fact that he is God and he is who he said he was. We're, we're following his steps. We're following his thinking. We're following his behavior. We're, 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 our, our mannerisms, our attitude begin to look like more and more like Jesus. So as that happens, more consistently, the right way becomes more clear. As we follow in after him and follow in after his way and his word, the right way becomes more obvious. It's, it's this, this search that we've been looking for, and the search is found in following the one who is right in the first place. It becomes more clear, more obvious. Now, our nation has been heading in the wrong direction for decades, or maybe some would say even centuries, um, but the right way can be learned. The right way forward can be learned. But first, it has to be heard and known. That's where you and I come in, giving voice to the right way to do things the right way to see, to, to see our world, the right, the right way to see our part and place in it. Looking through a biblical lens to have a biblical worldview that makes sense of the, the situation we find ourselves in and even the sickness we find ourselves in today. How do, how do we write that? We first have to understand where it comes from and secondly, what, the, what the, the method of cleansing is to see those ways and God's right in them. So we have to bring voice to that. Uh, there is... There's a lot to be said for doing the right thing the right way. I mentioned that to you a couple of weeks ago. But it isn't just doing the right thing the right way. It's understanding why that's right. It's understanding why we're walking in the truth of that right way. So we can make good, good and godly decisions. We can follow Jesus faithfully in our attitudes, in our spirit, and, and in our mannerisms. But sooner or later, a voice has to be given to that truth. A reason has to be explained to that right way. That's where you and I come in to say, I'm walking in the truth of this because this is what God says in his word to do. This is, what, this is the way that he blesses. This is what he's called me to do as, as a Christ follower, is to walk in the truth of scripture and to make right decisions based on what his word says, based on how his spirit is leading me. I've got to give voice to those things that people, don't, people just see another way that looks good, but how do I get there? Well, I get there by the blood of his son, Jesus, and following in after him. The prescription is to clean ourselves up, it's to do the right thing. But thirdly, the prescription is to seek justice. To seek justice. Look at the latter part of verse 17. He says, seek justice, encourage the oppressed, defend the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. Seek justice and encourage the oppressed. He's telling us here that we need to seek justice because it implies that justice, justice is no longer obvious. That's why it needs to be sought out. It's no longer obvious that we have to do a little more digging to find the just way, to find the right way in the situations of life. And who are we seeking justice for? You ask here, well, it's the oppressed. Seek justice for the oppressed. Who's the oppressed? Those, the fatherless, those who are orphans, and widows themselves, uh, those, those who are without a husband. A great deal of what Crosspoint does missionally and what the church at large should do missionally is to see how this idea of, of the orphans and widows, or the least of these in essence, dovetails with the Great Commission. We're called as, as believers to live out the Great Commission 
and, and, and we are best in our missional efforts as churches and as the church as a whole when that Great Commission dovetails with the least of these. That's what we're trying to do in Nicaragua. That's what we're trying to do with safe families. That's what we're trying to do with through Angelic is to live out and give toward and serve toward the Great Commission dovetailing with the least of these. Now, that's intentional because it's biblical and it's biblical because it's right. And it's right because we're clean enough to see it. See how this plays together? As we see, the, we see God's right and his ways to do things and seek justice for those who are the least of these based on God's call for us to do those very things as the body of Christ, as the church. Now, the church, though, shouldn't just be a, a support system for single moms. It should also be discipling fathers how to stay home and how to lead. I want that to soak in. We shouldn't just be a support system for single moms, and I hope we are that and can be that effectively. We need to be a, a bastion, a place where men, young men are discipled to stay home, fight for your family, stay home and, 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 and go through the hard, do the hard thing, do, do the rough thing of raising children and being, being the right kind of husband and the right kind of dad that he's called us to be because it's much easier to run and flee. It's much e easier to bolt responsibility than stay there and face it. We are who we are as a culture because many of our homes are fatherless. We are who we are as a culture today. I'm convinced of this because many of our homes are fatherless and the influence of a father is gone. Shame on us dads. Shame on us for not holding our peers accountable in, in walking away and seeking another, an easier path, an easier way. But justice comes more readily when dads stay at home and learn how to lead, learn how to be the godly man God's called them to be. Um, and so we, we are not just a support system for, for, for orphans or for, and, and or for widows, but to elevate those folks to places of influence and places of service. Uh, we're hearing a lot in our culture right now about social justice. And to many, social justice equals socialism, meaning an equal outcome for everyone. Everybody, everybody gets the same size slice of the pie, regardless of what you do in your efforts and your, your, your work, your knowledge, your experience. And so this idea of, of, of equal outcomes for everybody is not what the scripture looks like, sorry to say. Because he says here, in fact, you can look at this passage, if, if life were fair, why would we have the fatherless? If life were fair, why would widows need help? Life isn't fair. And I challenge you to take this book, Genesis to Revelation, and find one place where it's fair. Life isn't fair. It's, it's the unfairness of that that causes us to see our need for a relationship to God. It's the unfairness of that that causes us to see some of the work and the needs and the mission of the church, of the kingdom itself, to, to reach out to, to those who are, who, to, the, to the least of these, to those who have not, and, and help and bring healing and bring encouragement and bring, bring, bring knowledge and bring the wisdom of God into those situations because we're not in a healthy place as a nation. We're not in a healthy place as a nation because we have, in part because we're a fatherless nation, but in part because we've caved to the fact that it's the government's job to do those things. And God's called the church to do those things. It's not the government's job to reach into our culture and right wrongs. Why? Because their motives are impure. It's the, it's the government's job to protect, and uh, I don't get all that. It's the church's job to reach into our culture and right spiritual wrongs 
and seek to, seek to reach out to the least of these and bring them, first of all, to a saving knowledge of Jesus, but secondly, to a redemptive lifestyle that says God's got a plan and design for your life, whether or not you're, you have a dad or not, or whether or not you're married or not, God's got a design and plan for your life to bring glory to him and, and, and a sense of belonging and understanding and purpose and passion to you. And it's the church's job to help people know those things, not the government. That's why we're in some of the state we're in because the church has dropped the ball on that and has handed that off to the government and, and say, Here, here's the money, go do it yourself. Um, but it's our role to do that as a church. But this prescription is to clean ourselves up, to do the right thing, and to seek justice. But finally, the prescription is to remember his promise. Remember this promise in verse 18. Come now, let's reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. They are, though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Though your sins are scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. There are several key words in verse 18 that deserve our attention, not the least of which are the words are and shall be. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow, meaning that what we are today is not what we shall be like, in essence. What we are is temporary. What we shall be is, is eternal. What we are is sinful and dirty and guilty and flawed. What we shall be is forgiven and spotless and redeemed and perfected. The other key word and phrase in this verse is this phrase of reason together, meaning let's settle this or let's, let's, let's let this be a settled issue with us. Can we do that? So why is it such an important principle to, in the life of a believer? Because until we're absolutely positive that we are forgiven, that we are spotless, that we are redeemed, that we are perfected, that we already have owned that shall be state instead of what we are, how we see ourselves as, as, as flawed today, until we can, can get our minds around the fact that we're forgiven, we're spotless, we're redeemed, we're, we're perfected, we'll never, we'll never see ourselves as being cleaned up. We'll never see ourselves as being right. We'll never see ourselves as worthy of seeking justice. We have to see ourselves in a shall-be state, not in an our state, for God to use us in that way. So if this is not a settled issue with you, <clears throat> I encourage you not to leave this place today until it is. This needs to be a settled issue. Your sins, though they are scarlet, can be white as snow. Today, you can experience the shall-be state instead of the our state. What you, what you are today, how you came in this place, you don't have to leave the same way. He's saying, I can clean you up and make your sins as white as snow. If, it, if it's a settled issue with you, if it's not a settled issue, don't leave. If this is a settled issue with you today, then it's far past time for us to start living like it is. It's far past time to start living like this is a settled issue with us. I know I belong to Jesus. I know his prescription for this world, and I need to start living it, acting it out, and speaking truth to it in situations at work, at home, at the bank, at the ball field. My talk needs to start to reinforce my walk. My walk needs to look like him because I belong to him. I'm a follower of him, but my talk needs to look like my walk. A couple of observations as we wrap up, and that's this. This prescription has some side effects. Here are the side effects. A life that's lived on purpose. That's one of the side effects of this prescription. A life that's more resolved a life that's more influential, a life that's no longer intimidated by our, by our enemy, the devil, or intimidated by political correctness or anything else 
for that matter, that can be a source of intimidation for us. Or anything that he tries to use to push us into a corner, to keep your mouth shut, keep your walk to yourself. And he does that again and again with every one of us day after day. His prescription has some side effects. Those are good side effects. But finally, I want you to see this prescription isn't cheap. Um, it costs Jesus his life. It may cost you your reputation. Is that a price you're willing to pay? There is no, there is no generic substitute for this prescription. It has to be taken from the original company, the, the, the original source here, the, the word of God, has to be taken this way and in, 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 this, in this form. When that happens, our reputation is going to come into play. Is that, a, is that a price you're willing to pay? Is that a price you're willing to, to see and say, okay, there's too much that hangs in the balance for me to keep my mouth shut. There's too much that hangs in the balance for me to let others assume that I'm okay with all of this. There's too much that hangs in the balance for my kids and grandkids <clears throat> for those who look on the outside end of my life, whether it's at work or someplace else, to think, you know, he's okay. She's okay. They're, they're, they're just kind of going with the flow. There's too much that hangs in the balance for, for, the, for this world to see the way we're headed is right because it just isn't. And it's time that you and I live juxtaposed to that position and let those around us understand why we're living that way, why our belief system is the way it is, why we have the convictions we have, why we speak to those convictions when opportunity is given the way we do. Um, we're in a broken, messed up world. We're in, we're in a sick place, a sick place that God has a prescription for. Don't miss next week. The cure is coming next week. It's really good. But God has a prescription for it, and the prescription is costly. It cost him his life, and it may cost us our reputation. But there are some side effects of it, and the side effects are worth, worth living, worth, worth living out and walking out. Let's pray. Father, today you've shown us by way of your word the rest of the story to say our diagnosis doesn't have to stay in the same place as we found it. It doesn't have to assume the same position that it's always had and we don't have to live defeated lives. We don't have to walk into a broken, sick world wondering, is there a solution to all this? Is there an answer to this mess? Because you told us today in verses 16 to 18 of Isaiah 1, there is an answer and I am it. There is an answer, and you know what the answer is. Live it and walk it. Live it out in such a way that people see the faith that's in you. Walk it out in such a way that people understand the fact that what motivates you to reach, <clears throat> to reach out to the least of these and those that are behind and bring them up. Cause, we, we, we were caused to do that by the Holy Spirit in us, urging us to do that, and the Word in front of us telling us to do it those very things so today with our with our actions follow our hearts and minds as you clean us up as you as you set us on the right path as you cause us to, to be seekers of justice for those around us who are who are the least of these and as you give us the opportunity to, to walk out this truth and live out this truth and the promise of the fact that we can today live in a shall be state we can live in a in a perfected completed redeemed paid for state we can live our lives in front of others uh, having having not to be defined by political correctness or not to be defined by what the, what the news said last night but to be defined by who you say we are 
and where you placed us to reach who you've given us to reach. Give us the courage to do those things today and the courage to to put even our reputation at risk to do so because you'll use that in ways to bring glory to yourself and revival to those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Crosspoint Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.